Welcome to the King's Table, a podcast out of Kingsville Church in Boston, where we seek to elevate the Bible over opinion, answering the questions you have. I'm your host, Jonathan Mosley. Now, our church recently went through a series called By Design on Marriage, Sex, and Singleness. Members have filled us questions, and so today's is this. What are healthy boundaries while dating? Enjoy. Now, maybe we should begin with defining what we mean by dating. So let's say this. Let's say dating is developing a romantic relationship with marriage in view. Now, that may sound very similar actually to courtship. And yes, that's the point. Call it courtship. Call it dating. Christians don't just date nilly-willy. It's foolish to date when you don't have marriage in view. Now, why is this? Well, romantic relationships naturally move toward greater and greater degrees of emotional intimacy, a physical intimacy, of spiritual intimacy. So if, if I'm not dating with marriage in mind, I'm actually jeopardizing myself emotionally. God's word is clear that we're to keep our heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. So God's design is that, yes, that we would move towards oneness with another in marriage, but moving to oneness without explicit commitment or attentions puts your heart in a vulnerable position. It's the opposite, actually, of guarding my heart. And since the desires for physical intimacy grow over time, and since God strictly permits sex only inside the covenantal bonds of marriage, I'm going to be making it a lot more difficult for myself to honor God in this relationship. So yes, Christians don't date nilly-willy, right? We, we date with marriage in view. Otherwise, we're opening ourselves up to sin against God by pushing the lines towards physical intimacy that we shouldn't cross, and also leaving our hearts uh, vulnerable uh, where they're going to get too attached and that can really cause some emotional damage if we're not careful. So yes, we date with the intention of marriage. Now, back to the question, what are healthy boundaries for dating? Well, you know, maybe I don't think it should be a surprise to, to us that are, that are listening in, but the, the first boundary I want to highlight is that uh, for those that are dating with marriage in view, Christians should only be dating believers. We don't date non-Christians. And yes, Paul Paul does explicitly mention that we're to only marry, he says, in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 7, 39. Right? Marriage, it, it points beyond itself. And you've heard me say this quite a bit, but marriage is for mission. The, the mission of marriage is to point, uh, excuse me, is, is to paint a picture of the relationship that Jesus has with his bride, the church. Marriage is this living flesh and bone parable, Right? to the relationship between Jesus and his bride, the church. A husband is called to lead his wife through humble, selfless service, and his life revolves around serving her and sacrificing for her so that she flourishes in her relationship with God. And the wife is to submit to her husband's leadership, gladly and joyfully following her husband as, as he follows God. Now, this this relationship, this, this love, this picture, this marriage is a real-life portrait to the world how Jesus loves his church and how the church follows Jesus. And so if you're, if you're somebody and you're, and you're dating another person that doesn't love Jesus, then you're dating a dead person. Spiritually speaking, they're dead. They don't have a relationship with God. They're not spiritually alive in Christ, and they're not going to be able to help you live out the intended picture marriage is supposed to represent. But also, at the point of our life, is to become more and more like Jesus. And that is the point of our life. The point of our life is not to get married or even to get a, a great education or to, to have a nice house. The point of our life is to become more and more like Jesus. Well, how in the world is the most influential person in your life 
because your romantic partner quickly becomes that. How are they going to help you fight sin and grow in holiness and help you become more like Jesus? The answer is they can't. So that's the first boundary, right? Make sure that you're only dating someone that loves Jesus. Okay, now I think whoever asked this question, I think knows this, but I can't assume that. But when we think about boundaries, let me throw out four questions that I would ask while you're dating. And we'll turn these questions into boundaries. But let me give four questions. Question number one, when you're dating, question one is this, who has eyes on your relationship? Okay, who has eyes on your relationship? When you read the Song of Solomon, that the man in this drama has laid eyes on a beautiful woman that he wants to pursue. And in chapter one, there is the voice of, you might read in, in your Bible, a section called Others. It's the voice of others affirming their relationship. It's not a secret to the ones they know, right? Those closest to the man and those closest to the woman, they rejoice that the man and this woman have found one another and are taking steps towards marriage. Now, I think this is significant because in our individualistic society, we view dating as a solo practice. You know, we really overestimate our own self-awareness and levels of discernment, and, and, and we really fail to get other people's input on our relationship. But, but dating should be done in the sight of other godly men and women. In fact, we're forfeiting one of the greatest gifts God has given us, namely godly community, in helping guide us to reach the biggest decision of our lives next to following Jesus because the person that you decide to marry that's the most important decision you're going to make next to following Jesus, right? You're saying yes to a lifelong covenantal commitment, so don't go about it alone. When uh, Chelsea and I began dating, it was long distance for uh, a season of that, and when I would come to see her or when she would come to see me, we spent a lot of time hanging out with other couples. Why do we do that? Because her church community knew her. She, they knew her weaknesses. They knew her strengths. And my church community knew my weaknesses and my strengths. And so when she would come up to Boston, she'd visit with these couples in my community. And now her community wanted to gauge my commitment to Jesus and vice versa. And this is a glorious thing, right? We need to have godly men and women part of the discernment process as we're dating to help us, guide us, help us discern, is this someone that God might have for us forever till death do us part? You know, in, in Eastern culture, many marriages are arranged. Now, this isn't condoning or critiquing arranged marriage. It's only to say that marriages are established through a discernment process guided by their parents. And I think it's wise for Christian marriages to be established through a discernment process by the church, right? You see the community around Solomon and his bride, they're rejoicing, right? It's wise to have believers who have walked this road before us come alongside us. Right, So the question is, who has eyes on your relationship? And I would turn this into a healthy boundary by saying, listen, bring your church community into your relationship. Allow them to hold you accountable. Allow them to ask questions. Uh, open yourself up where you can ask them questions. Right, Healthy boundary, number one, is bring your church community into the relationship that you have. Question number two, in terms of as we're thinking about healthy boundaries, you know, I wanted to present it mainly in questions and then turn them into boundaries. Question two is this. Are you in your relationship, are you fleeing sexual immorality or flirting with it? Twice in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 7, and chapter 3, verse 5, we're told, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Right in this book, the Song of Solomon, the wedding day is getting close. But the 
the couple is careful not to arouse physical intimacy until after the ceremony. The sexual ethics for believers is it's reserving sex for marriage, and sexual morality is forbidden in the New Testament, and sexual morality is considered any sexual activity outside of the marital covenant. So we're told, for example, flee sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Fleeing means don't get anywhere close to it. And as the couple courts in Song of Solomon, there's this beautiful imagery of the two hanging out together. I'm going to read it. It comes in chapter 1. This is what it says. It says, Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar. Our rafters are pine. Now, what in the world does that mean? The couch is green. The beams are cedar. The rafters are pine. Well, this is a poetic way to say that they're hanging out in public places. They're at a park. Hence, the couch is green. Hence, the rafters are pine. Hence, the beams of the house are cedar. They're in a public place. They're in a park. There are other people around. They're not alone. It's not just him and her in a bedroom where the temptation for physical intimacy is strong. Like That would be flirting with sexual immorality, not fleeing it. So if I were to turn this into a healthy boundary, I'd say, listen, bedrooms should be off limits. Decide not to be alone behind closed doors. Be wise on how late you're out with one another. Be wise on how you're lying on the couch. Right, right. The point is, don't put yourself in compromising situations. Don't flirt with sexual morality. Flee it. And I will add here that I've been asked a lot, how far can I go physically? Which I think is a bad question because this has in mind, you know, where's the line and how close can I get to it without sinning? And instead, we should be asking, how can I make sure that I'm honoring this person's heart? Paul, Paul tells us in Timothy in his pastoral letter, he says to Timothy, treat younger women as sisters, as sisters, as sisters with all purity. First Timothy chapter 5, 12. So that's, that's how we should be thinking about our romantic partner until we become you know, a spouse, until that person becomes a husband or wife, we see them as a brother or sister. That's what we are. And so, you know, how far should you go with a brother or sister? You know, uh, again, what's going to cause you to flirt with sexual immorality? You know, I, I'd say, I'd say it's unwise to be making out. That's what I tell my daughters. Why? Because it's getting the body ready for sex. It's priming the pump. And that's not fleeing sexual immorality. That's flirting with it. And we shouldn't be so naive to think that we won't get burned if we play with fire, right? Just like we tend to overestimate our self-awareness, we tend to also overestimate our self-control. And so question two is, are you, while you're dating, are you fleeing sexual immorality or are you flirting with it? And the boundaries would be, you know, don't be alone behind closed doors. Be wise on how late you're out with someone else that you're dating. Be wise on how you're lying on the couch. Just don't put yourself in compromising situations. All right, question three. Question three, are you making sure that while you're dating, you aren't dependent on him or her? Something I see when two people date is that the worlds become intertwined and often intertwined too fast. All of their time is given to this one person and you quickly become dependent on him or her. You know, speaking to men and women in relationships, you know, if, if I were to be able to, to counsel you, I would say you need to have solid friendships outside of your romantic partner right? The other friendships that you have should not go to the wayside just because you're dating. You're not married. You're not one yet. You should be independently seeking God 
And I don't think, especially in the beginning of relationships, you should be praying together or reading the Bible together. Men, be doing that with your guy friends. And, and women, be doing that with your girlfriends. It's going to muddy your ability to discern if this is the person God has for you if you're intertwining your spiritual life too fast with the person you're dating. Maybe when you're engaged or have talked about engagement, you know, maybe you can take those steps, but I wouldn't do it beforehand. And something else I've seen is that people's pursuit of God can often wane when they're dating, right? That their fire for God tends to uh, be quenched in some ways. Why is this? Well, I think it's because before they were in a relationship, they relied on God to meet their need for companionship. They processed their day with God. They sought him for direction and with decisions. And now this guy or this girl is always there. They can call them on the phone, text him or her, and it's much more it's much easier to, to turn to that person instead of God. And so the relationship with God doesn't grow. Oftentimes it can become weaker. And so if I were to turn this into a, a boundary, right, by asking that question, are you making sure you're not dependent on him or her? You know, trans, you know turning, translating that into a boundary, I, I would say this. Make sure that your social life is not revolving around your partner, right? Like create margin to maintain godly friendships apart from your partner and make sure that your spiritual life is not suffering because you're going to that person, him or her, before God, right? So make sure you're not dependent socially or spiritually on that person. Okay. Question four, question four, last question. Are you prudent in what you share and when you share with the person you're dating? Right, so that's question number four. Relationships, they're gonna grow the more that you're open with that other person and the more you open up your heart to them. That's not a bad thing, that's a really good thing. But you should have discretion in the process because there's gonna be some things that you're gonna only wanna share with your spouse. So before you unlock the key to every room in your heart, Allow the relationship to go through its necessary seasons. Don't let your heart get too far ahead of itself. And and I'll add here, wait to talk about a future together. These kind of conversations, when you talk about the future, they lead to daydreaming and they lead to these imaginary hopes. But what happens is you take your eye off the present. And in in chapter two of the Song of Solomon, uh, Solomon is calling out to his beloved. Now remember, they're not married yet. That doesn't happen until chapter three. But in chapter two, it says that this, uh, the, uh, the guy here, uh, it says in chapter two, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. Now I love that because what's going on here? It's, it's not literal, it's, it's figurative. The man here, he's observing her. He's taking notes of her. Who is this woman really? Right before he enters into this marital relationship, he's taking notes. Right? Like, who is this woman really? Because before you give your heart away by sharing the hidden parts of yourself, take time while you're dating to learn who the person really is. Who are they under stress and under pressure? Are they consistently trustworthy? Do they honor their word? How are they around their friends, around their family, right? Being able to slow down, letting the relationship take its necessary seasons, observing, like that's called prudence. And before you let your, before you let your heart get too far ahead of your head, right? Slow down, observe who this person is. That's called prudence. So if we were to turn this question to a boundary, I would say, look through the lattice 
and don't rush in emotionally. So those would be the four questions I would ask while you're dating, right? Question one, who has eyes on your relationship, right? Are you fleeing sexual immorality or are you flirting with it? Are you making sure that you aren't dependent on him and her? And are you prudent in what you share and when you share, right? This is what I, these are the questions I'd be asking while you're dating and make sure that you can answer them in a way that honors God. Well, I hope you enjoyed discussing what are healthy boundaries while dating. Glad you could join us at the King's Table. If you'd like more information or resources from King's Hill Church, you can visit us at our website at www.kingshillchurch.com.